Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden, and joining me as always is former Falcons fullback, Obi Mahaley. Obi, what's up, man? What's up, buddy? <laughs> Dude, I am. Uh, not in a great place right now, as I'm sure a lot of really? uh, Falcons Why? fans are. What's the reason? <laughs> what could have possibly happened oh, in the last couple of hours? <laughs> uh, we will uh, dive into all of that. But briefly, uh, just, to, just to let you know, in case you hadn't heard, um, the Washington football team came, came into Atlanta <laughs> today, uh, decided to, to, to play a little game of football against uh, the Atlanta Falcons. It was right. going well. Uh, for Atlanta okay. for for most good. of the game you know I was feeling good I was I was I was uh getting into it I was starting to think about all right you know this team can get to two and two I like their chances next week against the Jets I, I'm I was I was an idiot Ovi is what I was is I was sitting here <laughs> already starting to count count my little baby Falcons before they oh, hatched yeah. and I should have known I mean I should have known why did I not know no, you should technically you shouldn't have known because they sold you on this is a new team, a different team, a new era. And it for all intents and purposes, we've been trending in the right direction. We've been trending up. We've been looking like a team that potentially could get their ish to get together, get get their act together. And after I mean, we we won last week. It was an ugly win, but after an ugly win, that's when you put together a less ugly win. And then a, a decent win, and then a, yeah. a pretty win. You kind of move up the ladder, especially when there are beatable teams. Like we had it served on a, a golden platter. It wasn't like we were playing like the LA Rams or anything. We weren't playing, you know, Tom Brady again. Like we were playing teams <laughs> that were just as bad as we were. And right. we just had to show that we could put a full game together. Not a quarter, quarter and a half, like four solid quarters. And uh, I heard that didn't happen. Didn't happen. So, uh, yeah football it did not it did not happen uh the washington football team knocked off the atlanta falcons today 34 to 30 uh late in the fourth quarter final touchdown came with 33 seconds left in the fourth quarter we're going to dive into all of that action from today but first let's hear a quick word from our sponsor football is back and better than ever all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another great season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this fall. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, Obi, where, where to begin? Should we, should we start? Let's start positive. Let's start positive okay, because most of today, most of today I want to be negative because I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not in a great space right now. I'm this, this is, I tweeted this out and, and rightfully so a lot of people brought up the, uh, the Cowboys game from last year, which is probably one of the worst losses, uh, just regular season, like context aside, if you're looking at the context of just four quarters, the Cowboys game last year is one of the worst losses, I think, in franchise history. You know, you're up at 20, 20 nothing going into halftime, and then you somehow lose on an onside kick and it just a miraculous fourth quarter uh, letdown. But I was kind of more mad today than I was in that game because that game I was more like flabbergasted. I was stunned. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Today it was more just like Charlie Brown trying to kick the football. And yeah. God damn it, like Lucy pulled the ball out from underneath me again. And it, like you said, this team, we were sold on a new bill of goods, but everything was going so well. I was so confident because, you know, I was, I, I also write for the Falcoholic and I, I messaged uh, my editor kind of 
late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter. And I was listening to a few podcasts throughout the week, one of which was Chris Long's podcast, and he had Julian Edelman on and was asking Julian Edelman a lot about what the Patriots do, you know, the Patriots kind of formula, the way that that they just approach things. How are they in contention year in and year out? What is what's the Bill Belichick method? And he basically said, and I'm sure that, you know, I'd like your perspective as well as a former NFL player, because I'm sure a lot of teams approach the the year like this, because I've heard this as well. It's, you know, September is is almost like an extension of training camp or preseason a little bit. You're so focused on us. We're trying to get better every single week, incremental improvements. You're trying to make your team as as razor sharp as it can be for when the games really start mattering. And hopefully you're just not out of contention by the time that your team kind of finds its identity and other teams start finding theirs. And then kind of the Patriots take that a little step further and and carry that throughout the season. And their practices are almost harder than their games. So their games are easier. And I was all ready to start looking back at not just the playoff teams from kind of the last decade, but like the real contenders, the teams that we go in each year and, and the ones that, that make the deep playoff runs and make the championship games or the Super Bowl or whatever. And how do they start the year? You know, do they look like trash in week Mm -hmm. two? Do they have some of these like trip over themselves games where they maybe have three turnovers or give up a few sacks and, and their teams are a little wishy-washy, but then, Hey, slowly, but surely they get better. They keep building. And all of a sudden they turn into a team late October, early November. And then by December they're rolling and they hit, they hit the playoffs and they're good to go. And they know who they are. I was so ready to buy into that narrative. And then it was just more of the same for the Falcons. But I was so ready to say, look, bad week one, but you can kind of toss week one out. Nobody nobody knows what to make of week mm-hmm. one. I mean, the Bills lost in week one. The, the Eagles look great in week one. I mean, all the Packers got absolutely dominated by the Saints in week one. I mean, it's just so weird. Yeah. Week two, you're playing... Tom Brady and the Bucks. That's not a game that you expect to win pretty much at, at any point on the schedule. Uh, so, so you kind of throw that away, but you, you get a gritty win against New York on the road. And then you come back and play probably their most complete offensive game for sure. If, if not, maybe their most, I, I don't think it was their most complete because I, I don't think the defense showed up much today. So, but I'll say their best offensive game. And that's what we all thought this team's identity would be, would be offense with Arthur Smith and, and kind of the weapons that they still have and and Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts. And we'll get to them a little bit later in the podcast, but it, it just, it was so deflating. Um, Where's the positive? I said we want to start on the positive. positive. I'm still waiting (laughs) to see the positive in your little, you know, monologue. I I couldn't help it, Ovi. I've been, I've been like, just, it's been just (laughs) in me all, all day since the the game ended. So I, I apologize. Let's get to the positive though. The offense showed up. Matt Ryan. Four touchdown passes. This was, I had been hearing, and I'm sure you had as well. Matt Ryan has is has lost it. He's Ben Roethlisberger. You know, he ship him out to pasture. He doesn't have it anymore. He's over the hill. He's he's aged. He's fallen off the cliff. What have you? That talk was kind of rampant around Matt Ryan uh in the national media, I think. And people were kind of saying, you know, are his days numbered? No, they're not, dude. He came out and balled out today like we know Matt Ryan could. What do you think of how Matt Ryan played? I thought he played great, but, you know, I think you're burying the lead talking about positives. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is going to be the first uh, podcast that people get to see our lovely faces and the blinding handsomeness <laughs> that we both exude from the screen may be too much for our millions and millions of viewers. So, I mean, to, to add the, uh, the uh, uh, smooth, sultry tones of your <laughs> my voice and then you add the blinding handsomeness that our wives get to appreciate every day, I don't know if this podcast can deal with the <laughs> influx of uh, you know viewers, but I, I could be wrong. But supposedly they're going to put this up on uh, screen, so I, I put on my good shirt today with my player personnel uh, Falcons little bird. Because usually I, I come here with just there you tatters. go. Rep anyone like, brush my teeth, wash my face, but I, I gave you. Uh, you always look tatters. great, Ovi. Yeah, thank you, thank you. We're, we're, we're going to improve. That. I'm going to get a fancy light. You're going to get a, a light, so it doesn't look like you're in a dungeon somewhere. And we're going to you know find a way to. Make you guys feel like this is a, uh, you know, A-plus <laughs> professional program. But until then, this is what you get, and be happy, and we'll, we'll, we'll do a little better in the future. But getting back to the Falcons, getting back to Matt Ryan, the positives, they, they absolutely were there. You know, again, that's, that's my boy. I played with him. I feel so god dang old because he's the only player 
on the Falcons who was there when I was there. Everybody else is all brand new faces, brand new coaches, brand new anything. The only constant, yeah. the only thing I can hold on to is, is Matthew, Matthew Ryan. I'm like, I got a picture with him. I got a touchdown from him. You know, <laughs> I see him out in the public and he actually recognizes me in waves. So, so like, like Matty Ice, that's, that's my guy. And I've been <laughs> saying for a long time that he's not done. I mean, look at Tom Brady. He's like 82 years old, still playing. No. Um, Matt Ryan is not that um, – he's not even close to being done, I think. I, Matt Ryan's not even in a, a position to where we should feel like he should be put out to pasture. But because the teams have not been winning and because the games have been um, ugly at times, ugly wins, ugly losses, just ugly, we got to find a scapegoat. He's making some of the most money on the team, and we go to him. So I'm glad that you know, Matt kind of showed that you know he he still has it. But, you know, back to what really matters is wins, which is why at a certain point last week, I'm like, just take the win. I know it's ugly, but take the win because this sure feels really <laughs> yeah. bad when you lost and you feel like you should have won, you know, because this yes, it's a pretty lo- pretty loss, but it kind of was. We, we played well and, and Cordero Patterson went off. We'll get to that later, but it's it was fun to watch. I was, you know, hooting and hollering and, and getting excited and, Several times in the game where it felt like we were gonna, you know, slam the door, and we didn't quite fully slam the door ever until the door was kicked <laughs> wide open by the right. Washington football team. Yeah, I mean, but but no, let's let's get to Corderell Patterson right now, and, and let's get to Mike Davis because you know all four Falcons touchdowns today were scored by running back. So I want I'm gonna you saw I'm, that right? I'm you saw that right? ISO. I'm letting you go. Yeah. ISO. I'm backing out. I'm going to be over here on the wing. Kick it to me when you're ready. But but here are a few dribbles for you, man. Let's talk on it. Sure. Running back day. Great, great showing for the Falcons backfield. I mean, it's, we, if we was in college, we called RBU, you know, but but in the NFL, it's like the running backs <laughs> just took over. This is what, you know, me and Jarius Norwood and Antone Smith and, of course, you know, Mike T., and, and all the running backs, Jason Snellen, all the guys who I used to block for, who I used to, you know, run with, we had that mentality. We had that, you know, forget what the um, receivers and the O-line and, the, you know, even Matt Ryan has a bad day. It don't matter because the running backs are going to hold it down. The RBs are going to take <laughs> over. And they had one of those games today. I, I can only imagine what Cordell Patterson said to Mike Davis when he came off the sideline. Mike, you up. It's your turn. Well, Keith Smith, the whole time blocking both those guys, was saying, hey, boys, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do everything I can to get you guys a hole. I, all you need is a sliver. I'm going to give you that, and you off to the races. I, the fullback, shout out to him. I was watching him, as I do all the time, and he was getting on uh, bodies. He was going to the second level. He was, Keith Smith you know, was great. falling down, getting back yeah. up, and uh, chipping people. So it, it, it was great to see the running back um, meet room all come together and and go off. But Cordero Patterson, in a different level, in, in a completely different level than I think what he's even been for, um, you know, for, for in this league. I, I believe that it was his uh, career high as far as touchdowns. And he Julioed somebody, yep. yeah, or, or Randy Mossed somebody. You know, it, it reminded me exactly of Julio. <laughs> mossed him. He mossed yeah. him. He mossed, he mossed the heck out of him. He went behind him, grabbed the ball, and said, give me that. And dude fell down, looking all weak and pathetic, and Corderell Patterson got the ball and just trotted to the end zone. That's the type of dog that you want in your running back. So uh, I can go on and on for a minute, but I was so proud. I was so excited. I was, you know, really amped to see the Falcons show a little bit of uh, of grit, of toughness. And that guy needs to go ahead and sign that new contract extension now because he's already shown that he's going to be a weapon for the Falcons for this year and for as many years as the Falcons want to pay him. How many, um, throughout your career, how many three touchdown days were you uh, like a part of? And obviously this this was a running back, so in the backfield, I mean, if somebody, obviously like Michael Turner, I don't know off the top of my head if he ever did have a three touchdown day, but like that would be way more meaningful for, for you because that's in your meeting room. That's like, hey, that's our guy responsible for three touchdowns. But just across the team, how many three touchdown days, or did you ever have a teammate score three touchdowns in a single game? Oh yeah, several. Uh, uh, when I was with the uh, Baltimore Ravens, Jamal Lewis did a couple times, and I was when I was with the um, uh, with the uh, with the Falcons, of course. Uh, Michael Turner did, did uh, several times, and it was it was a day when, we, when he was scoring three TDs. We were having a day, and it was just you know high fives and fist bumps <laughs> and 
you know, talking trash and, and just loving it. But, uh, you know, I, I was really happy to see that it was a family affair. And Mike Davis finally, finally got in on the action because he's been somebody that I, I even tweeted, like, you know, finally, he's got to go talk to his offensive line and ask them why they go ham for Cordell Patterson. But they, nah, they seem to always fall off a block for him. Except like it seemed like he had some bad luck. But then finally, he was like, I'll make my own luck. Break one, two, three, four tackles. He was a spin move, juking somebody and getting in the end zone by any means necessary. Amazing. He looked like Michael Turner. He, he had the same type of just you can't tackle me bowling ball mentality that Mike T had. And it was it was good to see because I know it's got what it, it's a weird dynamic because you you wish your brother the best. Yeah, I know he wants the best for Cordero Patterson. He wants to win. He wants some of that shine. He wants some of that opportunity. He he wants you know to show Arthur oh, yeah. Blank and, oh, yeah. and, and all the GM and, and and his teammates that yo I'm not done. I came here to be Coral Passion. I came here to be the workhorse, to be the big play guy, to be the guy <laughs> run through tackles and just knock heads around. And I can still do that. So if both of them are trying to outdo each other, we're, we're in a good place. So that was one of the you know you mentioned Matt Ryan, but that's one of the positives that I really uh, enjoyed watching. Not just CP, but the whole running back room go off. Well, I, the connection between Matt Ryan and that running back room is a lot of the the big plays so far, honestly, this season, not just in this game, but for the running backs in general, have really kind of come through the air. They've been these pass plays. By and large, I mean, you you kind of look at what the Falcons did on the ground today. Cordell Patterson was their leading rusher with only 34 yards. Wayne Gallman getting his first action of the season for Atlanta. No, right he was. Are you serious? Yards. I mean, those... Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 not like the Falcons are really like really breaking off these. Yeah, they're not breaking off these big gains with, uh, you know, the, the the ground game, but their running backs are getting really involved through the air. They're they're utilizing and Mike Davis is a great receiver. Obviously, Cordell Patterson is the ultimate kind of gadget player at running back. I mean, he's he's essentially a wide receiver uh, in the backfield who just yeah. has a really good feel for spacing and for blocking and the ability to cut. And he, on one of his touchdown catches, um, he made a move. He made, he made a cutback kind of, you know, when a, when a defender is running to close off the angle and you understand that he's maybe over pursuing you a little bit. And so you kind of cut back against the grain and let him just run right past you. He did that without ever slowing down. I don't know if I've ever seen a player just, it's almost like he like did a little like box step. It, like he just he took like one step back, one step to the side, and then his next step was right back upfield. But he never like lost any momentum doing it, and the dude just ran right by him and he yeah. scored the touchdown. It was so cool, and I was like, that like that's a kick returner. That is somebody who has specialized over yep. a decade in learning how to make people miss while not losing speed because you need to continue down the field while being as agile as possible. And it's brilliant that the coaching stack staff kind of unlocked that as an offensive threat and a capability for this team but it just sucks that like they even on a day when it seems like he was operating at max capacity it wasn't enough and so do you have anything else positive that stood out from this game because i'm ready to like jump off the diving board and jackknife into the deep end of despair uh that is my heart right now for this falcons team (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, um, I, it, it's hard to give this a positive because as soon as it shows you the positive, they they went back and you know erased that positive. The defense showed up a couple of times. They, they, I just saw them bow up to where we know that Foyer and and Debo and that our defense can can fly around and speed is one of the things we're really good at. And we were, we got better set the edge. We showed that we can um, kind of stymie the run at times. I, I just really enjoyed watching the defense because I felt like this is a defense that can make plays and, and can, you know, tip balls. And they were in a position to make a play uh, several times, uh, but it, it didn't quite happen as consistently <laughs> and especially when it needed to. So I, one of the positives were the defense took another step in the right direction, um, but it doesn't matter how good you play again for a couple quarters. You got to play the, your best football in that last quarter, which is why, you know, back in college, we used to hold the fours up every time fourth quarter came because, you know, the rest of the quarters are put yourself in position to win. Now you have to win the fourth quarter. Every single game, you got to win the fourth quarter. You don't, 
Yes. It's a wrap. It, it doesn't matter, you know, what's what's going on. And the defense, I don't think they won the fourth quarter. I mean, defense offense, nobody won the fourth quarter. And uh I I it's it stinks because I think that the defense that showed up um in the beginning in the middle of the game and, and really surprised some people. So I'm I'm actually very glad that that's kind of where you went was the fourth quarter because it was something that I that I had thought about as well and we'll get to the defense in a second because I do think they're uh it, it's it's a work in progress you know going into the season we weren't expecting the defense to do anything like they did last week against the Giants so that was a huge surprise no I think that yes this is more kind of what we expected from the defense but like you said they were in position if they made one of the five possible turnover chances that they had in this game, the outcome is probably different. So that's a learning point is you've got to make the plays when you're there. Eric Harris, you have two like great interception opportunities. You got to make those plays. Like all of these guys got, when they've got their hands on the ball, make the play. Deion Jones, you're one of my favorite players in the league. You're a great tackler. Tackle JD McKissick in space on that last (laughs) play. Like, that's on you. That's man coverage. You have the running back. Tackle him. Um, but you brought up the fourth yeah. quarter. And it's something that I think a lot of people miss because it's something that I hear every single year and it drives me nuts. During the kind of off season, in the lead up to, to the regular season each year, everybody looks back over the records the previous year and they try to talk themselves into why their team is going to be better and it's going to be different this year. And infallibly every person will point to the one score record and they will say, well, this team was only two and five and one score games. And all it has to do is flip around and they will be 12 and, you know, five and, and they will be in the playoffs. Yep. Every single game in the NFL comes down to like the final possession. Like that's how the NFL is designed. They want parity. Look across the league at how many one score games there are each week. It's a majority of games are one-score games. You don't get a lot of blowouts in this league. You don't get a lot of Buffalo versus Houston where it's 40 to nothing. You know what you get a lot of? 34 to 30. And the Falcons over the last three years have been probably the worst team in the fourth quarter. And so it's kind of, it doesn't matter how well you're playing. If you're Matt Ryan and throwing four touchdown passes through three quarters, that's awesome. This team has shown time and again that they can't make the winning plays when they need to in the fourth quarter, and they continue to come up on the wrong side of one-score games. And I say that knowing full well that they did last week against New York, but yeah, that's New York. This is Washington. This You shouldn't be in competition. Like, Think about the teams I just listed, the New York Giants and the Washington football It shouldn't team. be going out to the these wire. These aren't teams, right? You don't need to be competing with these teams. You should be winning these games. It's like, oh, if only we could beat the Washington football team. It, it, it shouldn't be something to where we're just uh, happy to like <laughs> celebrating beating the Giants or beating uh, the football team. We shouldn't be you know so excited to to eat by them or squeeze by them. We should be blowing these teams out the water. And again, I I, I got to do it back back in my day. You know when, when we saw a team <laughs> that we knew we were better than, we played them like we knew we were better than them. You know it, it, was, it, was, a, it was a fine yeah. line of we didn't overlook them, we respected them. But we didn't dignify the thought of, of us being on the same level. Like they, there was never a point to where we felt like, you know, back in the days when the Bengals were, were the, the Bungles, like we didn't think that Cincinnati should be competing with us. It's just from, <laughs> you know, man to man across the whole roster, we just felt like we were a better team. We were a better team, better coach, and we were very particular about not playing down to our level of competition. And our coaches, uh, for the most part, you know, yep. Larky, Mike Smith helped us to keep from having that overconfidence where we played down to, uh, you know, a, a Dolphins team that had no business being on the same field as us. Like, I, I was actually dis- disgusted. I had this air about myself. You know, we all have egos, uh, uh, especially in the NFL. But I had the biggest <laughs> freaking ego as a fullback. These linebackers dare to even sniff the same air that I breathe or, or you know, be on the same field as me. Like, how dare they? You know, putting the stuff they put on field on film, they can't, you know, hold a candle to me. And we had... We, we had that bully, you know, walking all slow, feel, really feeling ourselves. And when we saw a team that You're making me feel bad just about like sharing us, a podcast with you. Well, I mean, you're okay. You're, you're cool. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. Okay, I will yeah. allow it. But okay. back in the day, it just, we had that air about ourselves to where it, it wasn't going to happen. I think the Falcons, the, I, 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 they haven't earned 
the right to have that that swagger uh, yet, but they need to get right. to that point quick to where the Dolphins, I mean, the uh, Washington football team and the Giants aren't teams that they are going, you know, back and forth with or should even be excited to to barely beat. Yeah, so let's let's talk let's talk about the defense now, and then we'll get to the to the offense. And I kind of want to you know just look at these two sides of the ball because we've we've done a little bit of the doom and gloom so far, and and we'll do a little bit more of that. But let's yeah. actually kind of maybe analyze the game uh, a little bit and defensively. So it, for as much as it seemed like there were moments where the the star defenders made plays, Grady Jarrett made that big fourth down tackle where he knifed into the backfield yep. and stopped the running back short. You, you had Deion Jones and Foyer. You know, they, they continue to be, um, heading into this week, they had the third most tackles in the league as a, a linebacker duo. And I think they were behind Seattle. And I can't remember the other team right off the top of my head. But they're playing really well so far this season. But I think you and I would both agree. I don't know if they're playing at peak Foyer and, and Deion levels yet. And and peak Deion no. doesn't miss that tackle in the open field. You know, he like they're Never. making the game-changing plays that they've yet to really make, but they both finished. Foye led the team again, 12 tackles. Dion right behind him with 11 tackles. These guys are doing their jobs. They're making the tackles against Antonio Gibson, against these guys in space. You know, when, when you got uh, Taylor Heineke kind of scrambling and running around, they were chasing him down. So, so it's hard to kind of pinpoint necessarily individual defensive players, except for, for TJ Green on that. You got to stay covered on, on Terry McLaurin on that touchdown when, when he scrambled and, let him get away from you. But I read through Arthur Smith's um, postgame quotes, and a lot of it seemed like the off-script plays that Washington was able to make when when Taylor Heineke got outside of the pocket, when he started scrambling, moving around, and then you had the receivers kind of detach from their defenders and make that scramble drill play. I mean, that's, that's tough yeah. on the one hand, especially when you lose Isaiah Oliver early in the game, which is a huge loss and knee injury. He didn't come back. We don't know the the result of any of that. So we're not going to speculate here, but you never like to see a knee injury and you never like a player to not come back after a knee injury. Um, so that could be a potentially huge loss, but the secondary was always kind of the, one of the shallowest spots on this roster. And now it's looking like it's coming to fruition um, are you more concerned Ugh. about the defense after this performance? Because we were really high after the New York game on this defense, or are you still New a little York. bit confident? And you think this was a hiccup that they can get cleaned up? I'm still confident just because, you know, you, you see Eric Harris be in the position to make game changing plays, not once, but multiple times. Yeah, Him and the, um, the rest of the defense, they are getting to the point where they're in that position and just have to pull the trigger. They just have to, make that play because before at least the first game you didn't even see him in the position and against uh, Tom Brady they got a little closer and so I've been seeing a progression uh, across the season to, to where people are excited and uh what was the kid's name who replaced uh, Isaiah Oliver was it Avery um I think uh, uh yeah yeah well, Avery Williams yeah Avery Williams the uh you know the the backups who came in I think Washington football team knew that and were picking on him because the the announcers kept on talking to him and highlighting Avery being in there and oh he's a new guy and he hasn't had many reps in this position and obviously he hasn't played with this group or practiced with this group and and it showed to where they were open way more than they should have been and our defensive yeah. backfield communication wasn't there but here's the thing the Washington football team had just as many if not more injuries than we had uh, every time they, they, they cut to the oh, sideline, yeah. uh, the little lady was talking about this person's injured and that person's injured and this person's injured. And they found a way to win. There's a, there's a certain something uh, to be said about a team that finds a way to win, despite having maybe not your, your best talent uh, you know, on display or despite not having all of your starters on the field. Just figuring out how to get a W with the people you have, that's, part of that's a coach's job. And part of that is... You know, again, the coach is putting these guys in a position to win, but I don't care how much you do as a coach, your players have to make plays. And this didn't happen enough. So I, I'm, yes. I'm still bullish on the defense. I still think the, the defense is going to continue to get better. I just hope that, you know, we're not looking at this loss, uh, you know, seven games uh, down and saying that we're one game away from sneaking into the playoffs because this, this should have been a, a win. 
It absolutely should have. And, and you mentioned, you know, the, the crunch time, the, the winning time. And I think that's where I have such a hang up. And I'm sure a lot of Falcons fans do, because it just seems like the Falcons don't really get that break at all. And to your point, nope. part of that can be on coaching, but I don't put this loss at all on the coaching staff. If I'm Arthur Smith, if I'm Dean Pease, if I'm any member of that coaching staff, I am extremely frustrated with this game because I think that they look their first offensive drive. I thought they executed perfectly. They, they went down the field aside from that one holding penalty by Jalen Mayfield that really kind of put them back when they were inside of the red zone. And it really looked like they were going to punch that ball in. And all of a sudden now it's kind of a second and 17. Um, yeah. And that makes it a little bit harder. And then they end up with a field goal, but that first drive was crisp. You could tell that the, the coaches had their kind of players really on point, ready to go at the start of the game. I think that, to your point, the defense was in position to make a lot of plays, to really get some turnovers. I, I think that they had a good game plan. Um, and, and the coaches, I don't fault them for this loss. You know, this wasn't uh, a big kind of brain fart at the end of the game by, by any member of the coaching staff. To me, this is on the players. Go make your play. You're there. Make the game-winning yeah. play. The game is in your grasp. You guys were winning by yeah. eight with less than four minutes to go. and you can't continue to lose that game. And it made me just concerned after everything that happened last year and the year after that are like the key elements of this roster, just the staple guys. Is there something kind of fundamentally wrong there where they're incapable of making that final play? Or should I say they need to add one or two guys to this, right? They need to go get a Jalen Ramsey or they need to go get a Miles Garrett, or they need to go get somebody who is going to make that final play because sure, Deion Jones is one of our stars. Foye is one of our stars. Grady's one of our stars. But what if we're, what if they're more like Calvin? And we're kind of sitting here being like, you put Calvin with Julio and let Julio handle all that nitty gritty, all that over the middle, that tough stuff. And here's Calvin getting one-on-ones, running these out yeah. routes, running these deep, deep posts. He's got the outside to himself where he can utilize his speed and all that. Then you really unlock him. If you put Grady next to just a dog in the middle Maybe that frees up Grady to be the best version of himself. If you put a, a star pass rusher on the outside, yeah, maybe that why, allows why Foyer they, to get some more picks. Like, what what is happening with this defense? Why can't they make these plays? Yeah, no, you feel you feel um like with Tampa Bay, you can't get Indominus Sue and have like like everyone has like a, a, a duo. They'll have like two great defensive linemen or two great linebackers <laughs> or, or two big right. receivers, and we're just happy to get one or even a half. You know, I, even like our, our best, like Grady, he's still like, he's amazing. But, you know, wouldn't it be nice if he was like Dominican Sue size or, you know, or, 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 or um, Big 99 for uh, the Rams? I mean, he was like, you know, a little bit bigger. And our Calvin, Aaron Donald, amazing. Yeah. What if he was Julio size? What if he was like super size Calvin? And it's just a situation <laughs> where I, I know that I feel good about our uh, talent position because our GM. I feel like he has a, a better eye, a better ear, better nose for talent than uh, a, a last one. Even though Dimitrov had some wins, he had way more losses than wins. So I think that every year we're going to add talent and we're kind of just dealing with what we got. We got to write out the contracts we have. And I'm excited to see once um, our, our GM really gets his hands dirty, rolls up his sleeves, and can really go into the draft and, and kind of uh, position us to not be what we've been uh, for the, the last couple of years, which is starved for talent. And the the nice way I love a, a Baldy's breakdowns, Brian Baldinger. Oh, oh, last oh, yeah, year was yeah. comedy. Yep. The last couple of years, like he was, <laughs> he would just be like, was hey, brutal. Hey, what, what is this? Falcons, what are you doing? The left guard, right here. He you go, he'll forewind it, rewind it, forewind it, rewind it. Right here, his step, his step, his step is like backward. Oh my gosh, it was just. I, I, he, I think he was like rooting. For us to keep on losing, so we can get the coaches out of here, because it was just so bad. It's like either you're coaching it this way, or you're allowing it to happen, and either way is unacceptable. It was just just great because it showed that you know our, our our players were just not good enough to compete on the NFL level. And who drafts people who aren't even in the NFL three or four years? And not only do we not want them, but no one in the NFL wants them. So I, I know that you know we were. Um, we had to dig deep into our talent well because of some injuries, but I feel like you know it's going to be something that's not going to be an issue for us in years to come. But for this season, we have enough to get it done. 
Now, now barely, just just barely. We can't deal with too many injuries, but we have enough to get it done. And we've kind of shown the last couple of games that we can win in this league, just not if we don't make the plays. Yeah, and I mean, I think you're. I completely agree with you uh, with Terry Fontenot. I mean, uh, we're already seeing the fruits of his first labor. Corderell Patterson, free agent yeah. signing. Uh, Eric yeah. Harris in position there to make a couple picks, free agent signing. Deron Harmon also was in position to make a pick, free agent signing. I mean, you're you're seeing some of the most productive players on this team were brought in this offseason on kind of like veteran minimum one year deals because a lot of other teams around the league passed them over, and that is what Terry Fontenot made a you living win. off of doing Don't in New die. Orleans. No, I said, and that, that's how you win. That's how you win games. When you have yes. role players uh, step up in big ways. I mean, you have to have your big money guys play like big money, big money guys, but you got to have your veteran minimum guys and some of your rookies really you know, participate and really contribute their first years. That's how the Seahawks went to the Super Bowl. That's how a lot of the, you know, the teams who, um, like how do they get here? They're a good team, but oh my gosh, they they've just exploded. They were able to develop that talent, not only put them in situations to win, but they they pulled the trigger and they made plays. So I, I think that uh, Terry Fontenot can can make that happen for us, which is exciting to see. Like as a Falcon fan, like you're just you know buckled in and you're ready to go and you know want to see what's going to happen. But this game is uh, it, it was it was hard to watch. This is left a bad taste in a lot of fans' mouth because it was just <laughs> such. Uh, a winnable game yeah and i mean you talk about the big money guys but two guys who hope in the future to be big money guys uh calvin ridley and kyle pitts and you don't have julio jones on this roster anymore so one of those guys has to be able to step up fill those shoes and make those plays and i think that after last week when a lot of people were were kind of saying Kyle Pitts even part of the Falcons? You know, is he suiting up today? Like, what's going on? You know, Calvin Ridley, slow start to the season. Uh, is, is everything okay there? Why isn't he being utilized? The, the Falcons heard all of those complaints. You know, they got your uh, letters to the editor in, yeah. in Flowery Branch. They threw to Calvin Ridley 13 <laughs> times. They threw to Kyle Pitts nine times today. Calvin Ridley caught seven of those There balls. you go. Uh, basically, basically half, but he, but fifty percent catch rate. He's got to be better about, especially those tough catches. How many times did we see Julio, especially that twenty sixteen season, and and you can cherry pick that because that was the best season Atlanta's probably ever had offensively. But how many times did we see him go over the middle with three defenders, jump up, make the catch? Somebody takes his legs out from underneath him, he lands flat on his back. I have to imagine knocks the air right out of his lungs, but holds onto the ball. Three or four different times today, Calvin has the ball secured, comes down, and the ball gets dislodged when he lands on the ground. You have to secure those catches. That's what you're hopefully being paid for. You're drafted really highly in the first round. You're presumed to be the heir apparent to Julio as the number one in this offense. But the thing that I don't think a lot of people understand, when you talk about kind of a number one receiver, there's actually qualities that that come with being a number one receiver. It's not just a label. It's it's being the X receiver in an offense and being the X receiver in an offense means you're more up on the line of scrimmage. You're going to face press coverage a little bit more. Guys are going to be more physical and you're kind of going over the middle a little bit more. You're doing more of that dirty work because traditionally your X's are bigger, more physical receivers who can handle that job. I don't think Calvin is very comfortable doing that yet. I think he's good on those slants, but I don't necessarily know if he's really comfortable on these deep in routes, these crossing routes that Julio was so good at. And I think that we saw that today, but but Calvin's got to step up. And then Kyle isn't really getting a ton of separation yet. And he's a rookie, and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because I see that that he's got all the talent in the world. I don't know if the urgency is there yet on the the snap-to-snap basis because it's not just speed or strength or quickness. It's how hard are you going every single play? Everybody always criticized Julio for coming out of the game. He came out of the game every four or five plays because he was going 100 miles an hour on every single play and sprinting 25 yards and then coming back to the huddle and sprinting 35 yards and then catching a ball and breaking three tackles and fighting off two defenders and running 12 yards and then getting tackled. Like he gave it all. And Kyle Pitts has all the talent, but there seems like he's not necessarily getting in and out of his breaks as quickly as he could. He's not you know, make, he's not putting a defender right on his hip and really giving him that extra oomph coming off of his route to let the defender like really kind of get on his back hip. There's just little nuances to the game that aren't there yet. But one of these guys has to step up and make one of these late plays the way that we saw 
Terry McLaurin make those plays for Washington and, and they haven't so far, but you know, what'd you see from those two guys today? Well, I was happy to see that we at least tried to get them the ball more being that they're, they're going to be yeah. uh, a big part of this team moving forward. We, from a coaching point of view um, and, and, you know, just offensively, we were intentional about getting Kyle and getting Calvin touches early which is great because we, as we saw against uh, the Giants, even if it's not a catchable ball, he'll make it look like a catchable ball, get a passive appearance call. We all win. Yeah. Move the chains, <laughs> heading down the field. Cal uh, Pitts, um, I think he has to make it up within himself that he's going to be a difference maker this season and immediately because um, being a target and drawing coverage and, Catching a ball or two, that's nice. But we can't be on the timetable of, I, I, I say typical rookies. Typical rookies now, the timetable is sped up. But the timetable of, you know, just do your best this year and next year, you know, you can really blossom. We need them to blossom now. And it's a lot to ask. But unfortunately, yeah. rookies have showed in their first season that they can do it. So now the expectation is there. And Cal Pitts has all the tools. And now that we're trying to give him exactly what he wants, which is, an opportunity, he has to show up. He has to do what um, Tony Gonzalez was so good at. And I know it's a uh, steep uh, comparison to a Hall of Famer, but playing with Tony and watching him in practice, <laughs> it's the way yeah. he boxed out. Kyle Pitts, he's a basketball player too. The way he boxed out, Kyle's even longer than Tony or has a longer wingspan. He was able to make himself a big enough target to where Matt could always put it at any position where only he could catch it, and he caught it. So if Kyle Pitts can make it easier for Matt Ryan, the, the balls will come, the catches will come. And what I, I like about Kyle Pitts is that he seems to have the ability to get some yak yards after the catch um, more than a typical wide receivers. Yeah. I mean, Hayden Hurst showed, showed up a little bit and caught some balls and, and you know, good run up to the catch. And Kyle Pitts should be motivated and say, that guy could do it. I got more skills than him. I, I got more uh, to work with him than Hayden Hurst. <laughs> like, I, sh- I should be doing this every single time. Uh, it's got to be healthy competition, running back room, tight end room. The, the whole thing has to be about, all right, brother, I saw you get yours. I'm going to get mine now. So I'm hoping that uh, Kyle and Calvin realize that they can't just be uh, role players. Like they are bona fide superstars on this team, whether they like it or not. And I know they're not afraid of it, but they have to go out there and, and take what's theirs. So uh, I'm looking forward to the next game. Uh, us going on a revenge tour and just saying this was such a wasted game. We're not going to make the next game close. We're not going to, you know, put ourselves in a position to where the fourth quarter we're, we're fighting and scratching and clawing just to try to maybe hold on to this or get back. No, we're going to go and play like the fourth quarter, the first three quarters. And every play is a do or die play so we can get out of here without, you know, having everybody just shaking, you know, the last couple minutes of the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I mean, you mentioned um, kind of some of those some of those game winning plays and and the next week against the Jets, and we'll get to that in one second. But with Kyle Pitts especially, and you'll like this, I was watching the game today with uh, we had some friends kind of come in from out of town, and and one of them, former Falcons employee, was was working the game today. But uh, his girlfriend Shelby works for the Ravens, and she and I were watching um, the game today, and early in the game, first drive. I turned to her and I was like, you know what? I want to see Kyle Pitts get involved early. They motioned Kyle Pitts. I was like, let's quick out right now. Get Kyle Pitts the ball. Let him get upfield. Just easy catch, easy completion, turn and run. They did exactly that. Motion across the formation, quick, just speed out in the flat. Matt didn't throw him the ball. And I was like, God, come on, Matt. Like, throw him the ball. Get him the ball. Get him. But I really like the fact that that Kyle Pitts was a part of this game plan. I like the fact that Kyle Pitts made some really tough catches on the sideline. Um, I really, really like the fact that his gloves look like little targets, um, because that always helps Matt out, I guess, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess yeah, we'll take, what we know, we're, get. We're, we'll take whatever we can get. Yeah. We're looking for the small victories here. Uh, so, you know, cool, yes. cute little gloves, but, uh, let's actually, no, let's, let's transition now, um, into kind of our, our team meeting room segment, uh, who who is going to have a really good team meeting room tomorrow? I'll let you go first because I feel like there's an obvious choice here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Coral Patterson, that obviously the obvious choice. He's going to have a great meeting room. I hate having to 
temper your excitement when you have a personally great game because the team lost. There were a lot of a lot of games where I just destroyed the linebackers. I made these little boys cry. I, I blew up somebody. I knocked somebody's feet over their head. I had a great game. I caught a couple of football. I maybe even had a touchdown, but we lost. And so yeah. I can't be too yeah. happy. I can't, you know, be too joyful. I got to be somber like everyone else because it's you're still in your plane enough. seat, kind That's of being like, Patterson. I That's did my job. In- What's up? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't be too happy. You can't let the coaches yes, see, exactly. see what's I'm, going on. Hey, I, I'm sorry. I, I can't be too happy in the meeting room around those guys. But after that, I'm sorry. I'm happy. I, I'm high-fiving. I'm going out with my family, celebrating. <laughs> if I score a touchdown as a fullback, if I have a, a great game blocking, you know, I was like, hey, we should have got him. But it wasn't my fault. It wasn't me. That's Cordero Patterson. He did everything <laughs> he was supposed to do in that game. Yeah. He did more than he was supposed to do. And really, I think he showed uh, his agent exactly how to write them zeros on that check for that new contract. He's going to ask the Falcons or whoever wants to pay him. So he had a great game. I I think he's going to have a a wonderful, lovely meeting room. The person who's not going to have uh, the greatest meeting room um, conversations, uh, Eric Harris. And it stinks because he had a great game as well. But having multiple opportunities to end the game, intercept the ball, you know, to, to get... Uh, a game-changing play that could let everyone go home happy and not doing it, not going to look too good on on film. Yeah, I I completely agree because you're exactly right. I mean, if Eric Harris makes one or two, you know, one one was kind of like in the end zone, so you you can quibble. They they came away with a field goal there. This wasn't a field goal game. Um, So you can quibble with that a little bit, but certainly um, the one, and they even diagnosed it. It was four verts. He read it perfectly. Um, and, and couldn't make the, the play. He also was late getting over on that cover two touchdown to Terry McLaurin uh, earlier on in the game uh, in the second quarter that, that gave Washington their first yep. touchdown. And, and that was one where a lot of people were really, uh, I think, roasting Fabian Moreau on, online on social media. And I kind of give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because if you think you've got safety help overneath and you're looking at the formation pre-snap and there's one wide receiver to your side, that what's the safety looking at? You've got, you've got the deep half. There's one guy here. He's running deep. Go cover him. Yeah. So as a corner, I would be like, I passed my guy off. He wasn't there. So that's not necessarily on Fabian Rowe. That's more of a breakdown on the safety's part because that's his zone. Um, real quick though, before I get to my guys, I, I did want to ask you this as a runner or as a pullback, you know, part of the running back room, they put the ball in the hands of Mike Davis twice to salt the game away. How how did you feel watching the Falcons kind of fail to really when they put the ball in the hands of their backfield to win that game for them and it didn't work out? I mean, a lot of people are are saying the Falcons got too conservative. Bullcrap. The Falcons have been running the ball pretty well all season. They they are averaging four or five yards a carry. That's not being conservative. That's being smart. You're trying to milk the clock and you're also going to a part of your offense that has so far this year on average, worked out for you. So I'm sure you liked the decisions to, to put the ball yeah. in Mike Davis's hands, but the result wasn't what you wanted. How do you weigh all of that? It was a, a lose-lose situation because um, obviously you throw the ball and, or you do a play action and throw the ball, um, don't get that first down. What are you doing? You should have ran the ball. You should have given it to Mike Davis. Let him uh, run the clock out on the ground. And so they do that, and unfortunately, Mike Davis got stuffed uh, because there was too much leakage, too many um, jerseys getting through that line of scrimmage. And uh, it just put him in a tough position because we were behind the sticks. We, yeah. we, we, weren't, you know, we, we weren't in the position we wanted to be in. But I, as a, again, this is hindsight, it's always 2020, I think the <laughs> hot guy was Cordero Patterson. He was the hot guy. He was the running back who was making all the big plays. And in this crucial moment, even though your bruiser is supposed to be Mike Davis, Cordero Patterson has been the the guy who has given you yards, given you first downs, given you production, given you explosion, given you everything you wanted out of the running back position. I know he's a receiver, but he gave you all that good (laughs) RB stuff. I would have, you know, tried to change it up and even um, maybe a – swing pass or a, a short throw just give him what has been working give him something that make, uh, makes him feel comfortable because it was just such a bad showing to where it was the offense's turn 
to go four-minute offense, my favorite part of the game, because yep. they know it's coming, we know it's coming, and we're going to you know beat them uh, at, at, at their own game. And it just didn't happen. And it, it felt bad because you were just like, once you take it out of Matt Ryan's hands and you put it back into Taylor Heineke hands or that, you know, or to our defense, I didn't feel good. I didn't feel good about it. And I, I just knew that they just got to go halfway through the field. All they need is a field goal. They're just going to get in position. And it, it, was, it, it was rough watching. You called Taylor Heineke Trent Dilfer last week. And and now you're like, we, we can't put the ball back in Taylor Heineke's hands. <laughs> I did. It was him coming back home, I guess. Atlanta, like, something magical happened because this is like his hometown or something. I, and it, it just, I almost tweeted. I didn't, I, I didn't, I, I typed, I didn't press send. I was like, how does a Taylor Heineke team beat a Matt Ryan-led team? It's just Heineke versus Ryan. You never feel like Heineke has the stuff. Uh, at, at a higher or greater level than Matt Ryan does, and that's what happened. Taylor Heineke got to the point where he put us uh, in a in a bad position. It's it's. I mean, if we can't beat the Taylor Heineke's of the world, then then who can we beat? Well, hopefully the Zach Wilsons, but we'll get to that in one second. Um, but my good player uh, for yeah. today is Matt Ryan. He 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 bounced back. You know, he he. A lot of people have been criticizing him. His average depth of target. Uh, it's been really low. I I maintain that that has been a function more of the offense and what teams are choosing to take away with this offense and what they're allowing um, for Matt Ryan. And, and he's been really smart in hitting those options, even if they're out of the backfield, you know, move your way down the field if you have to. Um, but today he let it rip. He was on point. I mentioned Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts kind of letting him down a little bit because there were a couple of passes that Matt hit deep that, that Calvin Ridley should have brought in. And everybody's been sitting here saying Matt Ryan can't throw the deep ball or that he has no arm strength. Not only did he throw the deep ball, I mean, that Hail Mary wasn't short of the end zone. It was in the end zone. He he made the Hail Mary when he needed to. But arm strength is more than just depth of target. A lot of the passes that he was throwing that were in really tight windows, a lot of tight coverage. I mean, some of the slow motion passes where the ball is millimeters from a defender's outstretched fingers, that is arm strength. Matt Ryan has to plant his foot and fire that ball to get it right where it needs to be. Matt's not washed, guys. He's going to be sitting back there, and I hope this is a confidence boost for him. I hope he looks at it and says, look, I put that ball where it needs to be. My guy needs to come down with it. We're going out of the practice field. We're going to practice that play. We're going to get it right. I'm the commander. I'm in charge. Look at me. I'm the captain now. Let's go. I think Matt Ryan's going to have a great team meeting room um, on on Monday. Uh and and conversely, you know, I've been a little harsh. I've been a little harsh on him, I think, today. But but it's because he needs to be held to a high standard. He had 80 yards receiving today. Calvin Ridley, though, I'm calling him out if I'm Arthur Smith in this team meeting room because I think as a coach, to set a message for really? the rest of your team, to set a message for the rest of your team, sometimes you got to call out some of the big name guys. And this is a performance I think Calvin Ridley can be called out on. And I think. Not necessarily did he have a horrible performance. I don't think he had the worst performance among all Falcons players today. But if I'm a coach and I'm trying to establish an accountability mindset, Calvin, you have to make these catches. Yeah, We're counting on you to be our number one threat in this offense. Yeah, we drafted Kyle Pitts, but you're our guy right now. Until he's our guy, you're our guy. You had your hand on two balls that would have been at least 30-yard gains if not more, and would have flipped the field and would have put us in the red zone and would have done all of these things to help our chances to win, you had them. It's not like they were knocked away from you. You dropped these balls. Make these plays. And I think Calvin's strong enough mentally to bounce back from that if you call him out in the the team meeting room. But that sends a message to everybody else. That sends a message to, I don't know, Ade Ogundeji to be like, oh, if Calvin's getting called out, I better make sure I've got all my stuff buttoned up on playing and play out if you're Jalen Mayfield they're calling Calvin yeah, out the key Damn, is I, I, yeah, yeah I, I, I had a hold on this play I can't I hope Arthur Smith doesn't call on me it's that type of mentality that's what Bill Belichick would do I think that's what good coaches do is take these opportunities yep. to send a no message heartbeat. to the rest of the team is nobody's immune nobody is off limits and yeah Calvin had a good a good game stats wise 80 yards that's a good fantasy game uh, if you're a fantasy player with Calvin Ridley on your team, seven catches, 80 yards, 15 points in, in a PPR league, you're happy. But you didn't win, and Calvin had a couple of key drops there. 
And I don't care about fantasy from Arthur Smith. I care about wins. And and Calvin didn't get it done from a win standpoint today. Um, so that's who I would call out. Good stuff. No, um, the, it was a tough catch when he had to track that ball in the corner of the um, one of the hardest field. catches in the league. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that, that was a really so tough hard. catch. But again, Julio would have made that catch. Julio would have caught that. that catch before. Julio showed up yep. big plays and big situations. And yeah, and so it's one of those things to where I think you're absolutely right. It, it'd be great just to set the tone in the locker room because if you don't establish what's acceptable and what's unacceptable early on in your tenure as a coach, guys will let stuff slide to where otherwise they'd be like, maybe, oh, we can't yep. do that. You know, that, yep. that's they're not going to fly here at coach. Coach ain't going to let that, that fly. And hopefully they can keep each other accountable. You know, Matt Ryan, Calvin, they should be, they should be, the first yes. ones raising their high hands saying, my bad, guys. But not just my bad, but fix it. You know, uh, uh, my, my wife <laughs> say, don't be sorry. Be better. You know? I'm like, I'll be the kids. Oh, I was late. I was late. It's like, don't be sorry. Be better. I'm like, all right. You know? I was like, I'm sorry. Oh, damn. That's what you said. You were the house. I wasn't going to clear the garage. Like, don't be sorry. Be better. I'm like, okay, coach. So she has, God, she has you get it on the practice field and the, 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 guy, in the living room. Need. Oh, oh my gosh. I, I have a wonderful wife who is, she has set the level of expectations very early on in our marriage. And so I, I know what flies and what does not. So I'm not sorry. I try to be better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there you go, Calvin. We're consider us your wives. We're just uh, consider, we're trying to make you better, dude. We had a good, good game today, but, but not the best that you can do. Yep. So uh, step it up a little bit. Um, all right, we're running a little bit long here, so let's briefly touch on next week. The New York Jets got their first win of the season, 27-24 in overtime against Arthur Smith's former team, the Tennessee Titans. Titans were out without A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, um, so uh, a weakened Titans team, but still, big win for the Jets. Uh, Falcons will take them on in London. I believe that's a 9.30 kickoff. Um, but early thoughts on this game. I mean, it's you would really have hoped we talked about if Falcons could win three straight after going 0-2, they're 3-2 and going into the bye week, and that would be awesome. Oh. And that's kind of why I'm so let down with this game because I was already thinking about, I was already counting my chickens, as I said. 3-2, and world's in front of you. Sure. This is yep. a whole new team. The narrative's, narrative's flipping. This team's getting better each week. No, I, I made the uh, wonderful... Um prediction that we were going to go undefeated into the bye week after the Tampa Bay game. I'm like, all right, that's it. It's official. We have a solid team sighting at Tampa Bay. We're winning against the Giants. We're winning against the Washingtons. We're getting winning against the Jets. We're going undefeated into the bye week <laughs> was my prediction, which I feel like should have came true if we uh, played up to our ability. But I, I think the Jets, they, 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 they are worse than the Giants and, and Washington, um, as far as talent and their ability to put that talent together, we should definitely beat them. I'm, I'm not intimidated. I'm, I'm not scared. I'm not worried. I'm actually happy they won because that way they can be like, okay, we popped our cherry. We got that off our back. And because we lost, we're going to have a huge chip on our shoulder. So hopefully uh, the advantage is ours as far as urgency. Did you ever have a um, – I, I don't know if they were doing like the NFL Europe stuff uh, back when when you were playing, but did bit. you ever have like a a crazy jet lag type of game? No, just I mean going to Cali. I I, I love and hate going to California. Yeah. Um, you know, being in Atlanta and playing um any San Francisco, you know, L.A. or I don't even L.A. had any teams back then. Uh, San Francisco and uh, Oakland. It, it was um just a couple of days for you to adjust by the time you adjusted you're already gone so i can't even imagine what it would be like to go to london um football is football but still these small things they, they affect you the good thing is that both teams got to deal with it so it's not a uh one team is in london and they're used to it you got to come over there uh, you have to come over there both teams gotta make that that trip both teams have to adjust so it's not, I don't think, something that's going to hinder the team or could be excused for, for losing, which hopefully we don't have to look for one. Well, well, here's where I've got, um, you know, potentially a little bit of, I, I have no idea if this is public knowledge or, or not or, or why it wouldn't be. It's, uh, it's not anything like crazy or breaking, but I, I get the sense, I think what, or New York, if, if I'm correct about this, is, is flying out, 
either tonight right after the game to, to head over to London or um, earlier on in the week. Wow. I believe the Falcons are choosing to head out late in the week. Um, you know, either uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometime around there. And they're going to have a pretty short turnaround to then play that game on Sunday. Um, so that that's a potential factor. If the Jets get out there, you know, let's say let's say they hypothetically, let's say they do fly out right after this game and they're in the air right now heading over to London and or, or you know, head back to New York, pack your bags, whatever, meet at the airport. We're flying out early Monday morning, go over to London. We're going to have a full week practice in London get acclimated, all of that stuff. If the Falcons decide to have their week of practice in Flowery Branch fly out Thursday night after their kind of final practice, get over there Friday, maybe do a walkthrough Saturday, boom, Sunday, that's that's a quick turnaround. That's when you're you are dealing with some jet lag and, and it's a, like a six hour time difference. A 930 kickoff means a 330 a.m. body clock uh, for a lot of these players. Um, personally, I'm I'm anticipating a little bit of a, an ugly game, I think, on Sunday. Do you think the Falcons are equipped to win, like they did against the Giants, an ugly game against the Jets? Absolutely. I mean, again, it's why everyone's so uh, pissed off today is because we're better than what we played today. We're better than what we played against the Giants. We, we definitely have the ability um, to, to beat a, a Jets, a sorry, below-average Jets team. And I, I feel like we should give ourselves every advantage, which would include us going over there the same time the Jets are. Get there as soon as possible. Don't even let jet lag be a, a top of the, a part of the conversation. I don't know why you. I guess there's something to say of being comfortable and practicing, and I guess your facility and sleeping in your bed for as long as possible. But with the whole major time change thing, I want to get over there as soon as possible. So hopefully, like the preseason, um, you know, mistake of not playing your players early enough this doesn't come back to bite us yeah um i mean i i don't think it will i think that i i could understand if arthur smith's whole approach was kind of like we're this is a business trip you know we're, we're going over there gonna do our business get on the plane come back home kind of deal i know some coaches like to take that approach and, and it's just hey we're not going over there to hang out in london for a week you know we'll we'll get you can get tea yeah. with the queen on your own time. Uh, we're, we're going over there. It's a business trip. We're <laughs> going to beat another football team. And then, then we're hopping back on the plane and coming back stateside. So maybe that's the approach. Um, who knows? After this game, certainly I would hope that the team is refocused. They're back out on the practice field giving it all because they've got some things to work on. But it, it's not all bad. I, I feel like this podcast has been a lot of sour grapes. A lot of that has been my energy that I've been bringing to it um, because I was frankly kind of stunned. <laughs> At this, the Falcons played so well offensively, which is what I felt they hadn't shown yet. And I was like, as soon as the offense clicks, this team can really be something. And I felt like they were really on the process to kind of or on the road to making a statement in this game and, and saying, look, no, we actually aren't just hanging with the Washington football teams. We're not just hanging with the Giants. We could beat them 37 yeah. to 22. And, and that's kind of the way it yep. felt for a lot of this game. And then it just slipped away in the same frustrating fashion um and so that's where it's it's hard but as dean p said this week and i would encourage everybody to go listen to his press conference um from i believe wednesday or thursday of this last week where he really kind of laid it all out and said look everybody wants to make these snap decisions uh, and these snapshots of these players and this team and everybody talks about it's been 10 months since the falcons won a game and he's like None of that matters to us. We're new coaches. We're new players. It's been three weeks since we won a game. Like, that's all we're thinking about. We just started here three weeks ago. You know, like, we're we're trying to build a new team. We're trying to build a new identity. And none of this, an ugly game, what does that mean? It's a win. Like, that doesn't matter to us. We won the game. We've got things to work on. Every team does. And so I really liked that perspective from him because he's one of the elder statesmen of the league. And I'm trying to, I'm going to try to think about that a little bit. In, con in context of this game, because there were a lot of bad. It was a lot of, a lot of kind of familiar uh, frustrations, but there was also a lot of good. The offense, finally, they scored 30 points. I didn't think they would score 30 points based on last week and the week before and all that. Like, I didn't know when the next time we would see 30 points from this offense, but they scored 30 points. That's awesome. And maybe we should focus on that and, and look to maybe get back on track against the Jets Next week, you're not going to be two and two going into that matchup. You're going to be one and three, but let's get to two and three, go to the bye week, tinker, 
figure some things out, what's worked, what hasn't, and then look at the rest of the season. Um, so that's kind of where my mind is at. Ovi, you got any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, nah, man. Um, I, I just looking forward to the Falcons team going to London and using this as, as motivation to get back to who they are. Cause this was, uh, this was ugly. I'll take an ugly win over an ugly loss, this was an ugly, <laughs> ugly loss. Um, because we, we had so many opportunities. So, uh, we're, we're going to hopefully get a spot of tea and uh, a win over there in London and come back and get back to work. Well said. I mean, the rain was pouring through the uh, hole in Mercedes-Benz Stadium today, but hopefully the sun will come out tomorrow and rise on this team in merry old London town. Um, today's episode was presented by Bet Online For Ovi Mahaley, I am Will McFadden, and thank you guys so much for listening. Please subscribe, let everybody know, and as always, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.